catch up as well. Um, but those principles, we won't we won't go back to that, but we will we'll touch on it briefly. And I gave you last week, if you were here, uh, some homework. Uh, did anybody actually, uh, just a quick show of hands, anybody actually look up all the passages of Scripture that I gave you about the Holy Spirit? One. One person. Wow. I picked the right day to give $100 to whoever did their homework. <laughs> all right, yes, yeah, after, after. We... Uh, we talked about First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 last week, and uh, and there's a, a list there that Paul gives about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's also uh, gifts that are talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. Also, the gifts are talked about again by Paul in Romans chapter 12, and then uh, talked about by the Apostle Peter in a, in a letter in the Bible called First Peter, and uh, and they uh, pop up in other places as well, even in the Old Testament. So to get started today, though, we're going to look at a, a, a new passage, uh, Romans chapter 12, and what uh, Paul writes there in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 3 to 8, if you want to follow along. I'm going to read from the New International Version today. And this is what it says. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Let's pray. God, we pray that uh, right now that you would help us uh, to be open to your Holy Spirit's work in our lives as He uh, as He picks up uh, these words that You've given us and uses them like uh, a scalpel in a surgeon's hand to uh, to do work in our lives that uh, sometimes can hurt but always brings healing and uh, and that gives us uh, just a clearer picture of the work that You're doing in our lives. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Uh, who is living and active and, and is uh, is uh, just a precious gift for everyone uh, who follows you. And we uh, pray in Jesus' name that you would uh, say to each one of us those things we need to hear from you today. Amen. So I want to do a little bit uh, this morning that's going to be uh, honestly... More like a Sunday school lesson, more of a, of a teach than a preach. Uh, partly because, as we read in in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul says it's important for you to understand this, and uh, and it is important for us to understand uh, some of these things about the Holy Spirit. And uh, and partly, I want to do this kind of breakdown on the spiritual gifts because, um, well. Has anybody ever seen, I, I know we're all, you know, really people who love the Lord so much, we probably don't even own TVs, 
But have you ever been at a friend's house and uh, you saw a TV program called Mythbusters on the Discovery Channel? Anybody? Anybody addicted to it? Like, yeah, okay. So for those who've never seen Mythbusters, what they do is they take they take uh, urban legends and things that have become stories that have been passed down as something that happened to a friend of a friend of mine or just common everyday things that we just accept as being true. Like uh, uh, one of the things they did once was a test. Uh, they said, okay, if, I, if I'm walking down a block and it's raining out, will I get more wet if I walk or will I, or will I be drier if I run? And, uh, and the guys completely did not believe that you would be drier if you ran. They would just, uh, they said it just can't work that way. And, and they do that all the time. They look into these little things that are just kind of accepted truths, usually that have been passed along from, uh, well, a lot of times Barry by email. Uh, forward and forward and forward of this happened to a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. And so I know that it's true. Right, and then somehow it's just become accepted. So one of the things that they did was, and and I even when I go to the gas station, I see this sign that says, "Don't use your cell phone while you're pumping gas because you can start a fire." And the reality is, uh, a cell phone use next to the gas pump can't start a fire. They they this is what they do. They bust the myth, and they tried really hard. They even kind of amped up a cell phone trying to get some kind of ignition with the fuel coming out of, uh, of a gas pump. But if you go to the SO by my house, you'll see a sign on the pump that says, don't use your cell phone while you're pumping gas. Now, I think that's probably just a good idea because I don't even think you should drive while you're using your cell phone because I see people going like that. I can only imagine talking on the cell phone and gas spraying everywhere and you go, oh, and you've lost track of where you're at. But it can't it can't start a fire. That, but it becomes a popular myth that we start to accept because we're sure we read a story or we saw it in the news. And the reality is they just got a, the forward from Barry and they turned it into a news story. And and because it's in print, we think it must be true. In the same way, there are there are things that we believe today about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that aren't based on facts. They're based on what my mama told me. And if, if my mama told me, then it must be true. Now, my mom told me that, uh, that if I crossed my eyes and somebody hit me in the middle of my back, they would stay crossed. Uh, she told me that if I went swimming uh, it, shorter than 30 minutes, like if I didn't wait at least 30 minutes after eating, I'd get a cramp and go to the bottom of the, the pool and die. Uh, she told me a number of things that turned out uh, not to be uh, so true. And unfortunately in the church, in the last hundred years, we have uh, experienced, or just slightly over a hundred years, something in North America, well, it's, it's gone over the whole world now, called uh, the Pentecostal Movement. Prior to that time, prior to about a hundred years ago, um, people would read in the Bible about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but things like tongues and prophecy and things like that were not prominently featured in church, but about a hundred years ago in this uh, 
this place in California. They had a, a church meeting, and all of a sudden in this church meeting, things started happening, and people started doing what is called speaking in tongues, and, and other things that, other manifestations of miraculous gifts started to occur. Now, it's not that those things never happened from the time of Jesus until then, but it wasn't popularized. It wasn't kind of something that was going everywhere. But today, a hundred years later now, the fastest growing part of the Christian church, the, the church that follows Jesus, universal, universal uh, is the Pentecostal church. It's, it's those who believe that the charismatic uh, gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are for today, for right here and right now. So more people are coming to faith, and those churches who would uh, consider themselves charismatic or Pentecostal would represent you know, the fastest growing part of the church on earth today. And that's a good thing. But in the midst of all that, uh, we have a hundred years of urban legends that have developed around the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly the more, what we call the more miraculous or the more um, supernatural of uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And even thinking about that, uh, or thinking about it that way, is, is all wrong. Uh, because if it is a gift from the Holy Spirit, it's supernatural just by definition. Have I got you completely confused now? All right. So, the reason that this is important, or we're going to kind of break this down a bit, is because uh, we don't even have to go that far to begin to run into to, uh, problems with some of the myths and the legends and, and things that have developed around the idea of spiritual gifts to having experienced things that make us say, I don't want to have anything to do with spiritual gifts or I, don't, I do not want to wake up one day and find out I've got to put on a wedding dress and some army boots on and go dance in the parking lot. I'm not interested in that and if that's what following God is, I don't want any part of it. So in, in MythBuster fashion, let's break this down to the point where this is clear. That is not exercising a, a spiritual gift. Um, doesn't mean there's anything necessarily wrong with that other than causing a traffic accident. But when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're not talking about something that takes possession of you, that forces you to do things you don't want to do, do things against your will, that would be uh, that would be rude or wrong or embarrassing or uh, anything along those those lines. Now, it's not to say that God won't ever call us to do something that will embarrass us. Sometimes the best thing that can happen to us is to be embarrassed. Um, when we were in Bible college, uh, and I had uh, seen Donna, I had uh, I had set my sights on Donna. I knew that uh, that I wanted to ask her out. Um, you know, I called her on the phone from the dorm. I talked to her for about 20 minutes and never got up enough courage to actually ask her out for fear of rejection. And uh, so she had a very weird conversation with me, not really clear why I was calling, and then I hung up. And, uh, you know, kind of two heartbeats, and I said, Ah, you know, this is so stupid. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask her out. So I immediately called right back. It was very embarrassing to call right back and say, okay, you know that first time when I talked about nothing for 20 minutes? 
I was really calling to say this. Will you go out with me this weekend? That was very embarrassing, but ultimately very worthwhile. And good good things came my way as a result of that. In fact, before the night was over, as we walked through a parking lot, she shouted out, kiss me goodbye. And... Uh, And it only got better from there. And you can ask her if that's true, and she'll have to tell you that's absolutely true. So what we talked about last week, you're having a hot flash here. What we talked about last week was this. Every, these basic principles, every one of us has a gift that God imparts to us by His Holy Spirit who lives in us. Every gift that He imparts is not for us, but it's for us to share with the people who are around us. That the purpose of the gifts are not for me to look cool with my gift, but for me to serve the body of Christ with whatever He has imparted to me by His Holy Spirit. And it's not something that I earn. A a gift from the Holy Spirit does not mean that I have arrived. It does not mean I'm super spiritual. It does not mean that I am even a moral person. It does not mean that I am an intelligent. It doesn't mean that I am... Uh, God's gift to the world, it just means I have a gift from God that I'm supposed to share with everybody else. It doesn't make me better than anybody. It doesn't make me a celebrity. It's just what it is. And we also saw we need every single part. Okay. Now my first experience, uh, or one of my first experiences with the whole area of uh, prophetic was uh, when I was uh, quite a bit younger, and I went to a, a Pentecostal church on a Sunday morning. We're gathered like this, and there's music. And and in the moment, it was just like pretty much any church service I'd ever been to in my whole life. And then all of a sudden, this lady jumps up, and maybe you've been in a service like this. She jumps up, and she shouts out, My people, my people, saith the Lord. As the grass is green and the trees bear leaves, so my love for you is unending. And then she sat down. And people are like, ooh, nice, good. And I'm like, oh, that was weird. What was that? And later I would find out that that was a person sharing what they felt was either a prophetic word or what would is called in the in sometimes in the church a word of knowledge. And the idea was in the midst of the worship, they felt God had downloaded a message for them that was to be shared. Often, you would find it usually began with, my people, my people. And it was kind of like shorthand for God going, hey, it's me. And then everybody's going to pay attention. And then sometimes you would find that in certain churches we were at, that God only spoke in King James English. So when there was a message from the Lord, instead of just saying, you know, the Lord loves you, it's, the Lord loveth thee, and longeth for thee, and believeth in thee, and and things that the person didn't actually talk that way, but apparently God, when he wants to say something, reverts to the King James English. So there were a lot of confusing uh, ideas and thoughts and uh, and understandings about what that was like. And then um, Donna uh, got to know somebody from the UK, a guy who, uh, his name is uh, Graham Cook, and uh, and she shared uh, with me and and uh, some others some some teaching that she uh, heard from him, and that led to us uh, going to uh, to a, a conference that he was doing in the UK, 
and it led to us meeting Alan and Carol Shires, who were uh, friends of Graham's, or friends of Graham's. And uh, when we went to this church, they were kind of like lousy with spiritual gifts. I mean, lousy in the sense of they were, it was like it was like everywhere. Like spiritual gifts were just an everyday part of life. Except nobody jumped up and said, my people, my people. It was just more like somebody would uh, come up and they would say, I just have this sense today that God is saying that uh, some of us here this morning have suffered a tremendous um, loss this week. And it, and, and there's just a picture that I have in my mind is it has something to do with something that's happened with uh, with somebody's children. And then all of a sudden, somebody would stand up and they would identify themselves and say, well, why don't, why don't the two of you just come around here to the side as we continue to worship and, and you pray for that person. I thought, well, that's not all that weird. Like, that's kind of like cool. And then we were at a conference. Um, actually, I was at a conference and Donna wasn't there. And, uh, and by, by this time, this was a few years later, I had learned that Graham Cook in our part of the world was like a big deal. Uh, I I basically knew him as one of the worst drivers that I'd ever been in a car with, but but he was something of a cr- Christian celebrity because of uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit that operated in his life or is operating in his life as a as a prophet or a prophetic person who was a teacher as well, a teaching gift. So so I have this image of Graham up on this pedestal. And and I have this image because I've seen him in North America uh, doing his ministry thing and people people almost loving him too much, almost thinking he's just too good and and, uh, losing sight of the fact that he's just a guy who puts his pants on like everybody else and sometimes not even like everybody else. And he got up in front of the church and he had this word and he shares this word with the church. And, and it was this, this message that he felt like God had given to him for the church there in Southampton. So the church there, if you can imagine, is about 500 people all sitting around in a, in a kind of a U-shaped room. Graham delivers his talk, and when he gets done, I'm expecting that everybody is going to stand in mass because if this was North America, this is what we'd do. We're going to go hit the street and do what he just said. And instead, after he gets done with his little thing, it's like people look around and go, oh, yeah, that's nice. And I'm looking around waiting for like everybody to jump up and march into the street, and nobody's jumping up and marching into the street. And so I talked to one of the other leaders, and I said, I don't, I don't understand this. He's like, you know, this prophetic voice. And like everybody just kind of went, eh. And I said, well, I said, yeah, because he's no more a prophetic voice than anybody else that gets up. Like he's he's got nothing that somebody else here in the church can't have. He's just... He's just a guy, Brian. I said, well, you, you know, if he was in North America, you know, he's not just a guy. You know, he's like Graham Cook there. And there is, there's always this tendency when we see somebody who has something and can do something that we don't do, that we elevate them. And in elevating them, they become something that they're not to us, something that they're not to God. And as they kind of magnify in our eyes we have a a tendency to diminish and we don't value what it is that God has created in us has given to us and 
And there are all kinds of gifts that he's given. And there is a sane, normal, everyday way that you can live a, a, a naturally supernatural life. You don't have to have your eyes roll back in your head. You don't have to shake. You don't have to twist and shout in order to experience all the gifts that God has imparted to the church. So I want to go over this, just kind of a list that comes out of the scriptures. And this is First uh, Peter 4.10 says this. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. Everybody in this room who follows Jesus has a gift from the Holy Spirit. And every gift that you or I have from the Holy Spirit has only one purpose, to serve the people around you. It's not to make a celebrity. It's not to create a, a CD series. It's not to get a, a conference thing going. It is to serve one another. Okay? Now, I'm going to go over this list as quickly as I can and, and try and bust some myths as we go through it. Uh, and this is a, a, a mash of uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and then uh, picking up some uh, other things from around the rest of the Bible. One of the things that's important to understand is that it was never, none of the things either that Paul wrote down or Peter wrote down were ever intended to be exhaustive or exclusive lists about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When they wrote things down, they were not, they were, they were highlighting things that were specific to a particular group of people. This is not a, for all of time, this is all the gifts and these are the only gifts. God by His Holy Spirit is far more creative to the to the circumstances we're in uh, than than to be uh, limited to just these things. But these things are gifts, and there's a, a a gift that is something that's in us to serve others. But then there's also some gifts that are listed by Paul in Ephesians that are not um, are not um, things like teaching, but it's an, it's an actual whatever you want to call it, an office or a position. It's a, it's a job that you do. Okay, so, so as I go through this, I want to, and I'll say this again in a little bit because this is important. Don't get bogged down in trying to find yourself on this list. Identifying something from this list is not the most important thing. The most important thing is identifying what God is growing in you. Because it may not sound like anything on this list. And that doesn't mean that you don't have something that God's given you. Guaranteed, God very clearly said, you have something from God that's for us. Okay? But here's uh, from the list. Okay, three, three different versions uh, of the same words. The NIV, the first thing from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the NIV has something that's called the message of wisdom. The message of wisdom. The uh, message Eugene Peterson calls it wise counsel. And the New Living Translation calls it wise advice. Okay? We, uh, over the last hundred years, have turned it into something that's kind of ethereal, something kind of spooky, something kind of out there. 
And it's like uh, we, we have a tendency called a word of wisdom. And it's just like I'm just standing here and suddenly this word poof, hits me in the head and, and then I tell you this thing and it's going to change your life. The reality is sometimes those things do just come to you. But the reality is sometimes it's just there are people who have this gift that they have an ability to give wise advice. There are people that you know in the body of Christ who are probably the last people that you want to take advice from. But there are other people you know in the body of Christ as you go through life where you realize this is a person who I can trust. When I go to them, they're not going to just give me something off the top of their head. This is something that's going to come out of who they are. And there are people in this room who I know, who I could pick out right now and say, these people have this gift. They have that capacity to share from the wealth of what's inside them, to say, hey, you know what? This would make this situation better. This would be helpful to be able to go this way or to do this thing. So for some of us, what I want to say is this. If you just sit and wait for something to smack you, and now I've got this, that's not it. Okay, It's you allowing wisdom to operate out of your life. Okay, As it operates out of your life, that is the gift of wisdom, a word of wisdom, a message of wisdom. Same thing then of message of knowledge. This is the next thing in the letter to the Corinthians. Message of knowledge. It's translated this way in the message, clear understanding. Or in the New Living Translation, message of special knowledge. In Corinth, if you read the whole letter of uh, 1 Corinthians, you'd know that these were the two areas, wisdom and knowledge, that were a source of great conflict in the church in Corinth. Everybody wanted to be the person who knew more than the person next to them. And so he's speaking directly into that. That's why these are at the top of the list. He's speaking directly into that to say, you know what, that guy next to you who is... uh, maybe working for you or working for somebody you know which puts him way down on your social social ladder it's not his position that makes him wise it's the spirit of god in him that makes him wise don't tell joe that he has nothing to teach you because your perception of joe is a certain way paul is saying it's the spirit operating through joe that you need to understand he can tell you something that you need to know from God. And it's not, you know, um, tomorrow you're going to have a flat tire, and so today you should probably... It's, it's not that. And a word of knowledge is not... Somebody in this room um, has back problems, which is a great thing that we often do at charismatic meetings because in a room of more than two people, somebody is going to have a back problem, Right? Uh, somebody here is somebody here's been sad. Who's been sad? Wow. Uh, it, that that is not a word of knowledge. Okay? A word of knowledge is when when uh Ian is talking to somebody who is trying to figure out what a particular passage of scripture means, and Ian can just go right from the word and apply it right into life. And the person goes, Oh, I get it now. Have you ever had one of those moments? Maybe you just had it individually. It just something clicked for you, and it just that's that's all it is. Okay, so you don't have to 
you don't have to have your eyes roll back in your head or get into this kind of nirvanic place or listen to worship music for an hour and a half before finally you get into this trance-like place where you can get this message. It's not what it is. It's far simpler than that. Not less profound, though. Not less profound. Donna, uh, for those who may not know, uh, used to work at Crema Coffee up at the mall. And Donna, actually, no matter where she's been in her whole life, uh, she she operates in uh, both of these uh, kind of gifts, but but especially in uh, in a message of knowledge or word of knowledge or clear understanding, where. Uh, somebody will uh, approach her, come up to her, and they're just there to buy a coffee. And all she'll do is she'll just make an observation, a comment about something that she doesn't know anything about that person, but she'll just make this observation or this comment, and all of a sudden it unlocks a door of this person's heart, and all of a sudden <laughs> everything comes flooding out. And then Donna's talking to this person who's sobbing and looking for Kleenex and all those things. And Donna's saying, if this is a gift, I don't want it. Like, why Why do people cry? You know, why do they cry when I talk to them? Like, what's wrong with me? But it's just, it's it's that, it's just, you just, you have this thing that you can share with somebody that doesn't have to come from, you know, tuning into a particular God channel. It's just this knowledge that has just come to you. You don't even necessarily know how you know it, but you share it. But it's not like, you live at 74 Maple Avenue, and your phone number is this, and you have a birthmark on your right cheek. No, not that cheek. And you have, and it, it's, that's not it, okay? All right. So moving along now. We're going to hurry. All right, faith. Gift of faith. Are we as Christians supposed to have faith? Yes, okay. Every single one of us has to have faith. So this can't be just talking about faith. It's talking about those people that you know who are in your life who it doesn't seem to matter what the circumstances are. They've got faith for it. They know it's going to get better. And you're going, it is not going to get better. This is going to be bad. It's all going to suck. It can't get any better. And they're going, no, this is awesome. There's going to be really good things in this. And it doesn't matter what happens in their life. That you just, It's like they're like that, you know, that cork. You, know, you shove them down and they pop back up. You shove it down, they pop back up. And they're just people that are gifted that way. And instead of us going, you know, I think you should have your mental health checked because nobody should be that happy. What we what we need to do is be able to embrace the gift of faith that's in their life. And when we're our faith is at, at a low ebb, invite them over, feed them, have them move into your house, do whatever it takes to get that that gift of faith operating around you. It's also called simple trust and great faith. Okay, then it says gifts of healing. And then it also says in the message, healing the sick, or the New Living Translation, gift of healing. So guess what that means? It's a gift of healing. It's, it's, it, you have people who come into the body of Christ who God just imparts to them this special gift so that when there's somebody around them who is sick, physically ill, and suffering from something, that they can lay hands on them, they can pray for them, and they'll get better. Should we all pray for people who are sick? Yes, we all do this, but some of us just seem to have like great faith. For some, there's some of us when we hear somebody is sick, we want to get over there and pray for them as fast as we can. Some of us we feel like, no, I've prayed for people before; they got worse. I don't want to. I don't want to try that again. 
But there are some who, when they hear somebody sick, their first thought is, I want to pray. I've got to pray. I'm going to go right to prayer for this. And and they just do it. And and a gift of healing is going to be manifest in healing. It's not going to be just an intention, but as they pray for people and pray for people and pray for people, they are going to start to see people physically healed from whatever is wrong with them. That God still does that. Miraculous acts. Uh, oh, that's next. So healing the sick. So miraculous powers, or it says in the message, miraculous acts, or the New Living Translation, power to perform miracles. There are some people in any given situation, that's their first, that's where they go. They're ready to operate in miracles. They believe for miracles. Should we all pray for miracles? Yes, we all pray for miracles. But there are some who are among us who have this special impartation from God that they are going to really go for it, and they're going to ask for big things, and big things are going to happen. At a youth group uh, a long time ago, we lived in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. We had a youth group that went to a radio station one night that was in top Christian radio station that was in top of a very old Victorian-style home. And uh, we were inside there doing their uh, their youth program on a Saturday night, late on a Saturday night. And uh, the kids and I are on the radio while they're playing, uh, you know, the Christian rock music. And we're having a great time. And then this storm moves in to uh, to Spearfish, uh, the city where where this little uh, place is. And we're sitting there, we're sitting in this room, completely surrounded by huge electrical equipment. And outside, lightning is flashing, thunder is you know rolling. And I'm starting to think about the safety of these children that I've brought into this room full of electronic high-voltage equipment. And then all of a sudden, there's boom, and there's like, you know, light flashes, and then there's nothing. It's darkness, the radio, everything is off. And I am like, okay, quick, where's the flashlight? And I'm, I'm getting the kids organized here. Okay, everybody, join hands. We're going to walk out. And the girl behind the panel says, we have no idea how to restart this. Like, we have no idea what we're doing. And she just she puts her hands on the console and she says, Jesus, we need your help. Father, would you just make everything come back on and work? I don't know how to do it, but would you do it in Jesus' name? <laughs> All of a sudden, the lights came on. The power came on. Everything was set the way it was supposed to be set, working the way it was supposed to be working. And I'm on the floor crawling towards the door. All right? In that moment, she had a gift for miraculous powers. I did not even have a gift for faith. Okay? I'm not sure what that gift was that I had. The chicken gift. But it was, get out of here. That happens, and it's real. And most of us in this room can attest to the fact that we've seen miracles occur. And, and there are some people who are just, they have that. They're called to that. It, it, not usually the people who say they do. Usually people who operate in these things don't want attention. People don't want the spotlight. They, they run away from it because of what happens to them and, and the effect that uh, the adoration and, and uh, celebrity does to people. And then there's prophecy. Prophecy is is uh, also called in the message version. It's called proclamation. In the New Living Translation, it's called ability to prophesy. And uh, and it really literally just means to foretell, to speak out what God has given you. In some cases, it also carries with it that we see all the way through the Bible foretelling. This is what is going to happen. 
But the biggest bulk of the prophetic message is this message that comes from God and that you share with somebody. Sometimes that happens while you're standing there and you're praying for them during ministry time and you just have this sense that God is kind of giving you a message for them. And it's going to be always something that is encouraging, something that lifts up, something that builds up, somebody that that gets people on the right track in the right way. It's going to be something that brings life, not something that brings death. And, uh, and, and a lot of times the prophetic has been used in these days, in the last hundred years, to bring death, that we have wounded with it, when it's always been intended to build up the body of Christ, not to inflict pain on the body of Christ. Sometimes there's a pain that brings healing, but there's a lot of times just a pain where we go, uh, oh, like I was in a, I was in a church... I probably shouldn't tell this story. I, I was in a church. I won't say where I was at, but I was in a church, not on Prince Edward Island. And this uh, very well-known speaker, author of lots of books, he's been on every Christian evangelist uh, TV program that you could possibly think of. Uh, his wife has written some beautiful uh, How to Diet God's Way books. And, um, and, uh, and he gets up behind the pulpit, and you know this place is packed out, and he says, "I smell sin in the camp of the Lord." All right, woohoo! My friend, who is uh, one of the pastors there, said, "Okay, now tell us something we don't know." It's like there are people here. Yeah, you got us. There's sin here. Let's move on. What are we gonna do next? And uh, Sometimes we've used the prophetic just to beat people up. And God is always interested in conviction, but conviction that leads to repentance. A conviction that brings life, not death. One that makes you feel like there's hope, not like there's no chance for you. And uh, and God is constantly, and this is the thing, Paul will say, desire the gift of prophecy. Because this is something that's, granted to every single one of us and we've already talked about this so I'm not going to take time now but having the Holy Spirit in you means His Spirit is in constant communion which includes communication with your spirit He's telling you things for you sometimes, sometimes He tells you something for somebody else if your experience is He's always telling you something for somebody else and rarely something for you then you're not really listening to the Holy Spirit He will mostly tell you things for you, and sometimes he'll tell you things for other people. But there will be things that bring life. Okay, then there's uh, distinguishing between spirits. And distinguishing between spirits, also called um, distinguishing between spirits in the message. And New Living Translation says, and does this very nicely, ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And that's what it's, it's connected directly to the gift of prophecy. And it's the ability to listen to somebody stand up and give a message, and like I'm doing right now, and something inside of you says, you know, I think that's God. Or something in you says, that is not God. That's operating in the gift of discernment. Okay, then there's uh, speaking in different kinds of tongues. I get asked this question a lot so much that we're going to do another day. We're going to do like a whole thing just about tongues. Um, but people ask a lot of times about our church. You know, will I hear people speak in tongues if I go to your church? Because that would really freak me out. And um, 
And the reality is, you can't get away from the fact that this is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and what tongues means, literally, is a language. It's a language. And uh, there would have been a, a clear understanding in the context of their culture that when someone spoke in tongues, it meant they were speaking a language they did not know. It was not their first language. And they would have some message. It would be a prayer or a praise that they would be speaking out. And it would be in a language that they weren't familiar with. This is distinctly different from what happened on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples are all gathered together and they begin to speak in other tongues. But were they intelligible tongues? Anybody remember from reading Acts chapter 2? Yeah, the crowd that was gathered heard them proclaiming worship to God in their own languages. There was no need for an interpretation of the tongue. Okay? So this is not standing up speaking a language that some people there know and others uh, will have to speak a different language. This is standing up something that you're setting down or whatever, but you're, you're speaking out a language that you don't know and then the gift of interpretation is somebody is there who goes... This is what that means. And it's not necessarily that a gift of interpretation doesn't require a word-for-word translation. Just like if uh, Ian is translating for me what Corinne said in French, he is going to tell me sometimes the idea of what she said, not a literal word-for-word translation of what she just said. Okay. So in 1 Corinthians 14, though, Paul gives some very specific rules about tongues because let's be honest, everybody can babble on. Okay? Everybody can. And in Corinth, everybody was babbling on. Because they all wanted to show, I got the Spirit. Yes, I do. I've got the Spirit. How about you? And so Paul says, look, don't. Don't do that. You're going to have people who don't know God. They're going to come into your meetings, and they're going to hear you all jabbering on, and it's not going to mean anything to them. Could you just pray so that God understands what you're saying, and they understand what you're saying so that they can connect with God. If you're going to speak anything out, he says, why don't you speak a prophetic word out? Why don't you speak a message that comes from God's heart that goes into their heart? And tongues is never ever intended to be a sign that you have the Holy Spirit, never intended to be a badge of citizenship in the kingdom of God. Some people have it by virtue of, of how this is presented. Some people have this gift and some people don't and that's okay so you've got tongues the interpretation of those tongues um, you have uh, serving which is also translated help serving others now we get into this whole other group though serving teaching encouraging contributing to the needs of others leadership mercy we've got all these things that we just think this is a normal part of Christian life and all these other things can be normal parts of the Christian. All of us have an opportunity to see miracles happen. All of us have an opportunity in all these areas. The point is some of us at various times are specifically gifted to help uh, build up the body of Christ in a specific way through these gifts. Okay, But then, uh, because time is extremely short, uh, you also have people gifts. 
You have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And pastor and teacher is probably, you'll hear about the fivefold ministry. And that's what people are talking about when they talk about that. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Pastor and teacher is probably actually just one. So that makes it fourfold. But if you want to split it, you can. But apostle, just so we're uh, understanding this, apostle is not, despite how sometimes we've used it in the last hundred years, apostle is not somebody who tells everybody else what to do. The word apostle, literally, apostolos, and if you're going to take that into present day, where you would see that would be a missionary church planter. That would be the, the present day equivalent. Okay, It's not somebody who sits up on a chair and says, Come and I'll tell you what to do. That's not an apostle. An apostle is somebody who's been sent out on a mission is literally what it means. And it's somebody who establishes uh, churches. And uh, that's what an apostle does. Uh, a prophet is somebody who speaks out the message of God. An evangelist who shares the good news about Jesus. Uh, and then pastors. Pastor literally, the word literally means a shepherd. Somebody who shepherds others and they do that oftentimes through teaching. Whew, okay, we're all the way through that because I wanted to get to this. And this is we'll wrap up with this. How do you know what your spiritual gift is? I would like to know, Pastor, could you tell me what my spiritual gift is? People come in and they say, you know, could you just tell me what my gift is and that's what I'm going to, you know, I'll do it. Um, okay, first thing is, uh, do not waste any time taking an online gifts survey, spending money on books, giving you a gift survey, or books that promise to tell you what your spiritual gift is. Okay? Here is. Are you ready for this? Here it is. To find out what your spiritual gift is, serve. Serve people around you as often as you can. And you will discover by trial and error exactly what your spiritual gift is. Now you can start by praying. You can ask God for any gift. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you just have to be willing to say, I'll take whatever you give me. But then it's about exercising it. It's about doing it. It's about when you see an opportunity, go for it. Don't wait for somebody to put you into it. If there's something that inside of you you say, that's something I'd like to do, then just do it. Take a chance and see. See what happens. Believe me, if your gift is not singing, people around you will tell you. They may not say it out loud. It may not be a Simon Cowell experience, but you will be able to tell by their face that it is not rapture that you have created for them. It is another emotion altogether. And that may not be your gift. If it's teaching and you see more than half the room fall asleep, which is how I usually gauge whether I have a gift of teaching or not, then you know probably that's not your gift. Or if you just can't get anything out. The, the point is your gift might be something that has never been written down before, nobody's ever thought of or talked about before, but it's going to bring something in that's going to bless and build up the body of Christ. So you just step out and serve. Get your life into the lives of other people and you will discover what your spiritual gift is. Because the... The point of it is not for us to get bogged down and trying to figure out where we are in this list. The point of all of the talk about spiritual gifts is we are called to serve each other. And there are all kinds of ways to do that, 
but they're ways that not just they don't come out of our flesh, but they come out of God's Spirit working in us to uh, to impart things to us, so that we are empowered to be able to help other people, to build other people up, right where you're at. In MythBusters, if you ever watch it, they don't prove the experiment. They don't prove the truth of something uh, without an experiment. They don't prove the truth because it sounds right or it makes sense. They prove the truth by doing it, trying it, trying to create an explosion, trying to blow up a toilet to see if it can really happen, doing all kinds of things. They do it by trying. That's how we discover what our spiritual gifts are. But what we must not do is obsess over figuring it out so we can slap a label on ourselves. Because whatever your gifting is in this moment, it might change in another moment based on what the body needs and what God is going to do through you in that moment. We're, we love labels, and God is absolutely ripping labels off of everything. Neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. It's it's all about just letting his life flow through us into the lives of the people around us. And that is fulfilling our destiny, our purpose, our calling, and who we are. Let's stand together. And uh, just going to ask you, if you would, to um, to grab hold of somebody who's uh, near you. I'm going to ask you to pray for them. Uh, and I'm going to ask you, uh, you can pray out loud or you can pray silently, but I'm going to ask you to pray for the person that you're next to, that you are connecting with, uh, for them to, uh, to step into, to be living out uh, the fullness of everything that God has planned and purposed for them according to His Holy Spirit living in them. Okay, so let's do that uh, right now before we go anywhere else. Just begin to pray. You can pray silently or you can pray out loud for the person to uh, walk into everything God's planned for them, to receive every empowering by the Holy Spirit that He wants for them at this moment in their lives. That um, that has leveled the field, that there are no celebrities among us, that uh, that we all have this one spirit we share from and uh, and today you have given uh, each one of us uh, something, but it's not for us, it's for for other people around us. God, help us not to look down on anybody and help us not to look up to anybody, but just to walk face to face, shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, and to, uh, to uh, really celebrate every part of the diverse body of Christ, every gift that you've released to us, and not be afraid of any of them. God, and, and not be uh, overly uh, awed by uh, any of them, but just, uh, but just be who we are in you and to let other people be who they are in you.